Ground control. Are we live? I clicked it. Time code's going. We're at five seconds, six seconds, seven seconds. We are live. All right, folks. It's been too long. Welcome back. I owe all the Inside Whale fans a big apology. I am sorry that it's taken this long to get back to you, to Nantucket, to keep the podcast rolling. Here's my excuse. Summertime, folks. August was a big, busy, busy summer. And you know, I get it. Everyone's going every which way. It was hard to keep the energy for the podcast going with gigs. And uh, I don't know if some of you know this, but I'm getting married in two weeks. The wedding of my dreams is going to happen. I'm going to be a groomzilla. It's my big day. Get ready. September 17th, we're doing it. So I've been busy, folks. I've had a lot of stuff going on. Wedding plans, gigs. Just August took control. What an August it was, but we got through it, Nantucket. Here we are. Today is September 4th, and I am recording this. And uh, we have a waiting to, for this tropical storm to hit. Maybe it'll wash away August. Man, it was a busy August. How are you guys doing, Nantucket? How are you? If you're just tuning in for the first time, I am Doug Cody. This is Inside the Whale, Nantucket's first podcast. And I have been lacking in putting out episodes, and I apologize again. It it got busy, and it continues to get busy, and uh, I'm starting to feel the stress of a wedding coming on. So uh, I have that going for me. We're doing it all ourselves. We're getting married right in our front yard. Try to keep it simple. Tried to keep it small, but, uh, you know, I got people traveling from West Coast, got friends in San Francisco, good friend in Los Angeles, he and his wife are coming out. People are traveling a long way. I never thought I'd be the guy having a destination wedding. I always used to curse the guy that had the destination wedding, and here I am, I'm having one. So I feel a little guilty about that, but what can you do? It's the way life works, you know? Hey, at the end of the day, you just want to throw a good party. And uh, hopefully, I uh, got my friends coming up the, from uh, New York. Great, fantastic salsa band. Hopefully, they'll rock the party. You know, always put the bar near the band. That's one thing I've learned in my years of uh, playing music is, uh, you know, you go to an event, just put the bar by the band and the party will rock. End of story. That's, how I'm, that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm going into it. But uh, anyway, folks, how are you doing, Nantucket? My God, it feels like uh, forever since I've been back here, had the cans on and the microphone up. But uh, nonetheless, I wanted to, you know, I was at that point where it had been, God, a month and a half or something since I had done one. And I just was, I decided not to force it. I wanted to let it come to me. And, uh, and it did. And I was like, you know what? I got an episode. I got something cooking in my head. I want to get it out there to you. And uh, But before we do that, uh, before I get into who my guest is today, uh, I want to talk a little bit about August. Uh, I have a couple little audio samples I thought it'd be cool to share with you. Nantucket uh, was busy this August and had a few visitors, uh, some presidential candidates. And I don't normally want to get into politics because I do think it's a slippery slope. I don't know where any of you guys stand on what side of the spectrum if you want uh the guy with that looks like an orangutan, or you're a Hillary person, or maybe you're a Gary Johnson. I don't know. But uh, I went out with uh, my wife and uh, Piper, and we went to the uh, Trump protest. 
And I have to say it was sort of invigorating to be around that much passion. And politics brings out passion in the human spirit, which I think is important. Whether you're a supporter or you're a hater, to make the sign to go out there and stand for conviction in what you believe in is an important American right. And I like it. So we went out there and, uh, you know, I, I'll be upfront with you. I'm not a Trump fan. I think he's gross. I don't think he's going to serve the country. That's just my own personal belief. I don't think he cares. I don't think he understands uh, the working class. He's pretending to. But uh, anyway, that's as political as I'm going to get, you know. But I do want to share some of my conversations with uh, from the protest. I got to talk to some interesting people, wide range of people. So I'm just going to play a couple sound clips to give you guys, an, if you weren't at the protest, give you a feeling of what it was like to be there uh, waving a waving a sign, screaming and hollering. Uh, I feel bad for people that were going to. No, actually, I don't feel bad for them. You made the choice to go to support Trump and go to the cocktail party. You know, I don't feel bad for you at all. And actually, I feel like if you really wanted to put pressure on people, you need to put pressure on the couple that hosted Donald Trump. Saying, we don't want that there. What was the name? Weinberg? Garrett? What, something Weinberg? I don't know. It seems crazy to me that they were anyone would even want to host someone like that at their house but i guess it takes all walks so anyway listen let's here, here's a couple of the sound bits that uh from the trump rally or not trump rally the trump protest rather let's go to that now sir do you mind if i ask you a couple questions for yes. a podcast why are you here uh to protest trump are you uh resident of nantucket uh summer resident summer resident yeah. You believe strongly enough to make a sign and come out and very much you don't so. want that. No, no, he, he's a, he's a despot. Uh, he, he would. He, he's a. Yeah, I think he's. I personally think he's a fascist. He's got some mental disabilities. I think. But anyway. How old are you? Sixteen. Is this your first protest? It's actually not. It's no. not. What was yeah. your first protest? Um, I went to a protest in New York City protesting uh, New York Housing Authority because uh, they were kicking a lot of people out of their homes, nice. out of the projects. Yeah. Why do you think it's important to be here today on Nantucket? Um, I think it's important because love Trump's hate every single time. Um, and Trump has no plans for our country. He's putting, trying to pit us against each other. Um, and people need to stand up, and that's what they're doing. What about Nantucket? Because do you think that he, he, it's not the right place for him, even though he's a millionaire, and there's millions of millionaires here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, like, a lot of people think Nantucket is a place where there's only millionaires, and, like, you know, it's a lot of people who don't care, but I think this is awesome because it shows that people do. People are here fighting for it. Nice. Yeah. Well, and how old are you again? I'm 16. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> There you have it, you know? She said it. 16 years old. Love Trump's hate every time. I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was really uh, inspiring to see so many people there uh, coming out. I would say there's probably over 400 people lined up up on Pulpus Road protesting. And, uh, you know, I'd been in uh, seen protests before in New York. And uh, I don't know, just seeing that on Nantucket, it shows you that a lot of people were passionate uh Passionate about their politics, you know, and uh, it's their right. So that was really interesting, and I got to talk to some other people that uh, said, I think that there was a protest maybe back in the 70s, but nothing like that that they had seen on Nantucket. So uh, kind of a historic uh, piece of time that I was glad to be a part of, glad I took my daughter down there to 
experience it. Anyway, Nantucket, let's get down to brass tacks here. Let's 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 turn the beat up for this one. This is episode 37. My guest today, DJ Pete Ahern of Audio Architects. He is someone that's been on my radar for a long time. And uh, I happened to watch this documentary on Netflix about this DJ, this famous DJ, Steve Aoki, and uh, got me thinking about electronic music. And uh, I was like, you know, Pete Ahern's been bringing electronic music, DJing on Nantucket for a long time. And I know he's really created a scene and, and bringing something cool to Nantucket. And uh, that's what this podcast is about, people that are passionate bringing cool things to the island, and, and Pete is one of those guys, and uh, it was a really fun conversation to sit down with uh, an artist of uh, in a different way, you know, an electronic artist, and, uh, you know, you guys are going to hear in the conversation, I've always had this sort of beef with DJs, you know, that it was just some guy up there hit and play, you know, but uh, I know it's an art form, and I know it takes time, practice, and dedication just the way any musician uh, attack. Uh, you know, tries to learn his instrument and DJs are just the same. So I understand that. And uh, we get into that conversation too and uh, talk a little bit more about uh, what he's doing specifically on Nantucket and uh, bringing some famous DJs out here. Thievery Corporation. You brought out the guy from Tribe called Quest. I mean, he's bringing it. And, uh, you know, the people that have been following the audio architects uh, have been big supporters you know pete's a guy that's been building the scene and i love it if you build it they will come and uh so i wanted to support that and i wanted to uh, sit down and talk to him about the art form of being a dj how how one becomes a dj so uh with that being said let's do it folks episode 37 dj pete ahern on the episode today let's go to it let's go inside the whale Guys, now you might win. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! Is this what you expected? Pretty much. <laughs> it's not some like Charlie Rose studio. I was kind of hoping for that, but this will do. So, uh, Amy, you going to wake her up? This is the beauty of doing a podcast in your kitchen table. No, I like it. It's real. It is real. This is... And I apologize for my voice, but uh, it's part pollen, part uh, just go. We'll just don't worry about. It. He can bark. We're rolling, but that's all right, man. That's the that's the beauty of uh, doing a podcast in your yeah. living room. I'm not a, I'm not fancy. Yeah, totally. You could put it right here. I know, right? That's our special needs dog. That uh, he's special. Um, let me start by saying that I, I was I'm. I really did want to, you've been on my list to have on awesome uh, the podcast because I think what you're doing is cool. You know, EDM music, 
We're going to talk about We have so much to talk about, dude. <laughs> I have to, you're going to help me flush out. I'm going to help. You're going to help me flush help. out some of these uh, misconceptions yes. and uh, what's going on in the electronic dance music. But mm. before we get into all that, I thought. It's a big one. Yeah, it is a big one. And I just watched the Steve Aoki. Some of you probably don't know who he is. He's a probably one of the most famous DJs in the world. Possibly. Yeah. And I watched that documentary. It was on Netflix, yeah. and uh, it's called uh, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Correct. And uh, it gives you a window into the world of DJs and just how big EDM music is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, man, I got to talk to Pete. And I know <laughs> I've mentioned it to you, I've seen you, and been like, dude, I got to have you on the podcast. Yeah. I want to talk about what you're doing, specifically to Nantucket, because you've been yeah. a big part of bringing electronic music to Nantucket. I think so. I'm happy to be the guy to do it, honestly. And you're crushing it, though. I, you know, I, maybe, maybe. I think what I've done over the last whatever, I'm proud of. Let's just say that. It's great. Very proud. And uh, and I think that that was another reason why you deserve to sit down and we could find I'm out honored, who, man. who is the man behind the knobs. I'm honored. So honestly, let's just go back. Where you? Where'd you grow up? <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Nantucket for the most part. Uh, Mom and dad Nantucketers. They are not. We, I guess you'd say, wash assured. But that was back in the late seventies. So I was here first grade, basically, first grade through fourth grade. Moved away for two years. Came back for seventh through high school. Gotcha. And then went to college for a year. Came back to Nantucket because that stuff happens. And then moved to New York City for like five. Where years. was the college? Wingate, North Carolina. And did you last a full year or just a semester? A semester. Oh boy. I struggled. I struggled. <laughs> I yeah. How I, old? Uh, seventeen or so. I went to go. I was big into baseball at the time. I was the captain of the team, and you know, I thought I was a hot shot and. Maybe I was on Nantucket and I went to North Carolina because it's they have year-round baseball. It's up north. You can only play, obviously. Were you recruited? I wasn't. I walked on. I made the team. and so That's that, a big feat. Yeah, that was, I was proud of that, too. But I was a little dude. I'm still kind of a little guy, but I was like 100 pounds. But I pitched, and for whatever reason, I could huck it. And so I made the team, but I struggled at life, basically, like adjusting – I lost my wallet the first day with all the money my parents gave me. Oh. And I didn't know anybody there. <laughs> I had dreadlocks. I had a little goatee, and I was in the South. So All right, so you're a, a dreadlock pitcher. Yes, and they made, they made me <laughs> shave it all off and shave my face, shave my hair. It's the South, like real college baseball team. Was like, so I had a lot of adjusting. I had a girlfriend back home who I missed and was like, I was struggling. You were I, just a kid. I, I was a kid. I You're rough, just a kid. I, rough little, I probably would have been better off going to like UMass or something. But I was thinking, oh, I should go down south and play baseball year round. Because I thought maybe, you know, we all thought, you know, if you give it hell, I might have a shot. Right. I was not terrible. I was pretty decent. So get in the weight room, that kind of stuff. But So you're a coordinated person. For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Now, were you playing any instruments at that time? What was the musical background? Hip-hop. Any- mostly hip-hop. I mean... At that time, it was definitely hip hop. I had dreadlocks. I wore cross color t shirts back in the day. Like crisscrossed. Oh, I was that guy. And I was nice. big into Tribe Called Quest and all that stuff. I still am. Um, so I was big into hip hop, but I grew up with my parents as hippies and traveling around the Cape. And I listened to every folk music you could hear and rock and roll, Led Zeppelin to everything. So What a crazy transition going from Nantucket down to the, the you know, North Carolina. Pretty much. And it was. 
it was a rural place. It wasn't a big city by any means. It was like a little downtown, but it was still, for me, seemed like a giant city. But after looking back, it was a small place. But I made the team and I did all that stuff really well, but I, my head was back here, so I couldn't focus. It was the girl. It was the damn girl. So you came, is she still on the island? And no comment. <laughs> all right. I don't know. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. she is. But she uh, is. And everything's all good. But uh, well, You guys are kids, man. We were kids. You're we were kids. stupid. You yeah. stupid kids. I don't know what I was doing. But it all it, all those things happened for a reason. And it led me to be sitting here with you. So, so wait, wait. We, good. We're, we haven't gotten there that quick, man. <laughs> I want to hear New York City. Mm. New York City. Well, again, I was a dumb kid. I went there with a bag of clothes, basically, with a friend of mine. I think in 1997. Wait, how old are you? 97. Probably 22, 21. Wow, okay. Something like that. And my buddy and I moved to Queens, right near um, Queens Bridge, like pretty, yeah. pretty serious part of Queens. But like the 59th Street? Not a little, not right there, but close by. So gotcha. Right. Everyone was, we just kind of thought this would be a cool place to live. Um, the neighborhood we were in was actually nice, but if you started roaming around, you definitely were in some stuff. So, but we didn't know. We were ignorant. We were big into the hip hop scene. We thought this is stupid, but we were like, we want to be closer to it. Were you going to hip hop shows? We were trying if we had money, you know, we go see like Wu Tang and like Wu Tang would have like uh, album release and they'd be signing autographs. Where? We, what was the venue? Oh man, what was the venue? Wasn't like where Terminal Five is or Hammerstein Ballroom? Is that yeah. one of them? Yeah, Hammerstein. I think. And then they would they would go to like Tower Records and sign records, and we would go there and wait for them to come out and try to talk to them and stuff. We like, were yo, what's up, Riz? Yeah, go, Ghostface. <laughs> we talked to him for a minute. Raekwon, all those guys. We were just are, aren't a lot of those guys dead. Those guys are still alive. Dude. Who am I thinking of? Old dirty bastard. No, but there's but he was part of Wu Tang, yeah. though, right? Mm -hmm. But someone else I thought was dead too. Not out of Wu Tang that I know of. I'm very limited knowledge of hip hop. All good. My hip hop, just for your reference, mm -hmm. is you know starts and ends. The best rap album ever made is N.W.A. Straight Outta Compton. For me, this Fair, is just that, me. First from start to finish. That's I know people love the Chronic, but Straight Outta Compton is yep. one of the best rap records ever or hip hop. Yep ever made easily could argue that yeah um that's that's where i stand and i go a little de, de la soul was i like the hippier hip-hop I, I did too man like i like tribe it tribe de la far side i know like far side's great and fushnickens i, I love fushnickens souls of the mischief and i like when shaq got in there <laughs> dude shaq got shaq in. was not bad no <laughs> So that's nope. my that's my knowledge of hip hop. That's not bad. It's not bad. I was really into it. And so you're going to shows? I like I said, not a lot, but we would just kind of follow them around. There was no Facebook back then. But we would just hear they're going to be here. They're going to be there. But and then there was another group called Mob Deep that was in Queens, right there. We just I don't know. I had a job. I worked at like a Foot Locker, basically, right, selling people shoes and stuff, and trying to make a living there and be a part of New York. We just want to be in New York City. It's not that crazy. So you, you wore the stripes. Yeah, we we got chewed up and spit out, but <laughs> I but we survived. I we definitely got our house broken into once. Um, lost a lot of stuff. I came back to Nantucket for a summer, worked, and then went back. So I lived in Queens. I lived in Brooklyn, in Fort Greene, in Brooklyn, St. James and Fulton. 
That is right on Biggie's block, Notorious B.I.G. I lived right on his block. When we moved there, we had no idea we moved across the street from his mom's house. Wow. Right there. And we were like, it was a pretty rough neighborhood at the time. But they're like brownstones, but it's like crack. It, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the crack era. So, or ending. That's Bed-Stuy? Yeah. It was, it was fun at times, but then... You know, you're in a shitty part of Brooklyn. Basically. Isn't that crazy going from a place like that and then coming to Nantucket, going back and forth? It it was at the time, but it to me at the time it made sense and it was fun and I don't know. It was just so different, probably from Nantucket. Yeah, I didn't know really what I was doing. It wasn't like a major goal, like I'm going to become a chef in New York. It was just I wanted to be in New York and be a part of it and see what happens. And so I had jobs and I worked at a restaurant and stuff like that. And we had bikes. We didn't have cars. We'd ride our bikes from. Brooklyn over the bridge into Manhattan up to Central Park, like way up and back and all that stuff. And it was fun at the time, but again, it was really no goal or like I was getting rich doing it. It was just to do it. You just want to slug it out. I guess so. <clears throat> Probably maybe wasted some years, maybe, but I learned a lot for sure. Oh man, it's instant maturity, will, man. New York definitely opens you up. It's an instant shot of maturity. I would say you because you're just quick. you're learning quick. I was just mm -hmm. talking to uh, Wendy Hudson, her mm -hmm. daughter's down at Pratt, mm -hmm. and I was saying, you know, the minute you step on that train, you're just forced to deal with everybody else's shit instantly. Instantly, yeah. And there's some crazy energy when you pack all that energy into a subway car. Mm -hmm. You're gonna grow up pretty quick. No one cares where you're from, what you did, how much money you had. It's an equalizer. Yeah. For sure. So New York is is, is adulthood in, in, in a quick dose. I thought, you know, sometimes I think it was a dumb idea, but other times I'm like, it was the best idea at the time. It really, I don't know. It made me grow up, like you said, fast and maybe for the better. And be, and also be able to adjust in a, with any kind of personality, any person on the fly and be able to handle that situation and not be awkward or not know what to say. I feel like I learned how to like be able to deal with people anywhere, in any situation. Where if I lived out here the whole time, you'd be like, hey, Mr. Rogers, and that's all I would see. Did you ever feel insecure about being like a white kid going to hip-hop shows? Anything like nah, that? it wasn't too bad then. It was, it was all a mix of everybody. It was like 99, 2000, 98, 97, so it wasn't like the only one there, you know? Because um, a lot of like graffiti guards and DJs were white and black and stuff. Right, so it was... It was all good. It was all... I never had any issues with that stuff. It was... Um, people were cool. Those, it was like a... Misconception, really. People were cool. So when did you start actually saying make that move? It's like I want to start DJing. DJing. I would say officially uh, year two thousand. I bought turntables and a mixer. But before that, we all were all DJs. Really, you probably made like a tape on the mixtape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For your girlfriend or something. Right. I mean, we all did that stuff. So I was big into doing making tapes and stuff. Press pause and then and then get the other one, get the other song ready and. Right. I did all that stuff, and then I bought turntables and uh, a mixer, and I was terrible, terrible. I had no idea what I was doing. So that's the that's <laughs> the idea of of DJing. When I think of DJing, you know, I think of uh, Grandmaster Flash. You know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> for sure. You got two turntables. I think we should let's 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 suss this out. How how <laughs> the 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 original DJ worked. Mm -hmm. Okay, seventies mm -hmm. DJ. Let's break it down. Sure. Yeah, it was two turntables, actual vinyl records, some old clunky mixer your mom had or you bought at the pawn shop. But I bought, at the time, I bought pretty nice stuff. I saved my money, and I didn't buy you. I bought brand new. I was like, I'm gonna, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this. But yeah, back in the day, it was just like old crappy records, and 
not records, sorry, record players and stuff. Right. They weren't as like high end as they are now, like made for scratching. And they were literally like, you took it from your mom's house and rocked a party basically. So, and that's how I learned. I learned on record players playing vinyl. And I think. So you, so you, you'd put one record on, you got a track. Correct. I want to get into it. So yeah, you got one record on that everyone's hearing and everyone's having a good time. And then you have your headphones on. And you have the other record that's playing in your ear that only you can hear. Gotcha. So that's why you always see the guy, the DJ or girl, with the, doing the thing with the headphone on yeah, the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> They're actually doing something, I swear. So, uh, so that record's playing, everyone hears it, and you're, as they say, queuing up the next one. Like maybe start right on the one or whatever. You might scratch it in or as the other song ends or fades, you bring in the other volume of the other record. So there's like two channels, channel one, channel two. So you're basically mixing these two, mm-hmm. is, is the best way to describe yeah, it. You're, you're mixing sh- these two grooves that are going on. Correct. And it could be any genre. It doesn't have to be all hip hop. It doesn't really, whatever works. But you're trying to seamlessly move from one song to the next without anybody noticing. Right. That's when you become. But then guys got really good. Guys got, yeah. guys got so good, that, right, that they could, mm-hmm. they'd have one track going and they might just queue up this mm-hmm. one little phrase mm-hmm. from from the record that's you know like mm-hmm. don't stop till you get enough and they, yeah. they could they could this is before you had samples right pretty much yeah so you some do dude, it on the fly so, so some dude like uh, really hard what's the bc boys guy that guy is amazing mix master mike mix master mike he's a freak he's a monster mm-hmm. that I, guy i'm not sure if he's human there's there's but actually he, documentaries where like i don't know if he's human but anyway go ahead yeah <laughs> I, I have i've watched him mm-hmm. and i see that that was the old school way yeah and people still do it now but i mean that way i mean the, i'm not even i've to be that good at scratching and cutting in live samples it takes you have to lock yourself in your room for like a good year legitimately 10 hours of, it's it's practice and practice and practice and no one it's boring to other people. You really have to put your headphones on, just do it over and over and over. When and you just be finding this one, like maybe you yeah. like this one beat and you want this beat to come in at a certain time. Practice, man. Practice anything, like playing the guitar, playing the drums. You can't get good unless you practice and fail and get better and better. So So were you sitting in the room doing that? Just- I was, but I would get frustrated. And then I was just then I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna worry about matching beats. Matching beats is just making uh, you're playing one record at one tempo and then you're bringing in the other record at the same tempo and they're playing at the same time. So they're like that, not right. You know, you know when it's off. If, yeah, they both do it at the same time. But <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So everyone has an ear. You know if it's off. Every even if you're not a DJ, you're like, whoa, that sounds terrible. So I wanted to really work on that part because if you could do that, you could do a lot at a party. You could people would hire you if you knew how to blend records and match beats and stuff like that. So the scratching, you just really got to dedicate your time. I didn't spend enough time. I can do some scratching, but not like those guys. Those guys that do that. That's some next level. They're bedroom DJs for like a couple years, and they finally come out. Like Mr. Mixmaster Mike probably sat in his room for years, and no one even knew he was good at it. And then he's like, "Watch this," and you're like, "Jesus," you know. Yeah, he's a monster. There's a bunch of guys out there like that, and his era. But now that now that's a that's a different style of DJing, right? For sure, that's turntablism, like a turntablist, where it's just like all you do is scratch and cut and juggle and da da da. So then we get the evolution of DJs. Explain yeah. that. So we go from this kind of, uh, for lack of better words, an archaic version where you have two records and you're matching mm-hmm. beats and mixing. And then we get the digitalization of, 
of music. Yeah. We get laptops. Yeah, we that, get knobs. That a lot of knobs and buttons. And that, yeah, that kind of changes everything. I just watched this documentary. Sorry. It's all right. Um, about DJ AM, another <coughs> famous DJ who died of an overdose, like 2006 or seven. Really famous guy, and he was a lot like Mixed Master Mike. Same kind of turntablist, maybe even better. He was like big DJ in LA at the time. He dated like the Hilton sisters, whatever. Gotcha. He yeah. became huge, but he was like one of us. He just happened to be freakishly talented at turntablist stuff. He would do the mashups. He would play like Run DMC with ACDC and make it mix together perfectly, and people would lose their minds. But he said. So he was the first guy to take and start bringing in classic rocks riffs? Yeah, for the most part. But to do it in public. Like every, some people would do it at their house, but he was. Wasn't that Girl Talk? Girl Talk did that a lot. Yeah, but this guy was doing it. He was like the first. Okay. He was like one of the first to do it and get paid and be out in public doing it. Girl Talk is just another band that's. Mm -hmm. or DJ that basically made a mint off mashups. Yeah, and he was to do it live with vinyl. It was like no one was really doing it quite as good as he was. So he became really popular really fast. He played Madonna's birthday parties, and he just out of nowhere he kind of blew up. But he said at the time he would bring six crates of records, which is like six thousand pounds of stuff to everywhere he went. And then he said when the this I can't remember where it was made, but this is program called Serato. Essentially, it's all your music on your laptop and your iTunes is in, uh, you can assign any song to each vinyl. So you have two pieces of blank vinyl, like digital vinyl, and you take track one, you put it over on the left side, take the other track, put it on the it's right side. It's crazy technology. Right. It's like and then it just, it's a blank piece of vinyl, but it, the way it reads digitally through the, onto the needle. Through the needle. You have whatever song you want. So instead of pulling records, <laughs> all he would bring was his laptop and two blank pieces of vinyl. So you had this MP3, or yeah. an, you have an audio file. The audio file is sent through your computer, onto your turntable, through mm -hmm. your needle, mm -hmm. onto vinyl. Correct. And you can see the wavelength on your computer, like where the break is. And, I mean, that changes everything when you can really see. What it. year is that? Do you know? Probably in 2002 or three, something like that. But. It's not. It's still a fairly new concept, I guess. But now you can see most. I don't use it personally. Maybe I'm archaic, and maybe I should. I still. I don't use turn uh, vinyl anymore, only for a couple of reasons. A, it's expensive, and B, it's heavy to lug around, and I too old to do it. And it's expensive. <laughs> uh, like one record is like ten bucks for like four songs, or you go online, you get it for four bucks. It's a big difference. So I still have all my vinyl in my house, but. I was thinking about this too. Like I'm, I'm somewhat jealous of you as DJs because DJs, after watching this documentary mm -hmm. and seeing how big DJs have gotten and EDM music is just dominating the world, mm -hmm. really. And these festivals are so huge. Mm -hmm. And you look and it's just one guy. And I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> every, my perspective is from a band. Right. You got one person. There's no drama. Traveling now. You got a laptop. You I maybe know. have a couple hard drives. Mm -hmm. That's it. I That's mean, it. I bring these little thumb drives, like USB thumb drives. I stick in my that little pocket in your jeans. That's where I put them. <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> Instead of a backpack. Because there's stuff. no, there's all the crap you deal with with a band. I know. So I think some of my uh, my own, I guess I don't, for lack of better words, I'm just jealous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, I hear you. The but DJ culture, it's it's so, um, it's it blows my mind watching these guys 
10,000, 30,000 people. I know. And there's one dude up there. It's fascinating. With this thing. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, people are connecting to it. For sure. And which is... No matter what you think, people are into it. People are into it. And they're having a good time. And they're having a good time. And that's all that matters. Absolutely. And that's what I come back to, too. Even though I have, like, a little part of me, I'm like, "Eh," you know, like, because I come from the musical background. So I feel like... Dude, like some guy's hitting play mm-hmm. and he's rocking this party, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just seems it seems fake. It seems unfair. I know. It's not fair, but I think um the people that are skilled at it, they are talented at what they do. And you can tell the difference between someone who's pressing a button cuz now there's people that pre-record stuff and they literally just press the button and they put their hands in the air or throw cake in people's faces like Steve does. Stuff like that, it's become more of a show. It's like Vegas. Dead mouth, it became like yeah, the rat, the adding theatrics. This is just a little, I, I pulled up this thing, the top 11 highest, just yep. to give you an idea of mm-hmm. people listening, what DJs make. Sure. This guy, Calvin Harris, mm-hmm. $46 million. <laughs> yeah, no. DJ. And I know, DJ. And I went and checked out his stuff, and it was, I don't know, I don't get it. I don't either. Uh, you ever heard of Tiesto? Of course, he's terrible. In my opinion, in my opinion. <laughs> so um, I got his page up right now. Tiestos yeah. were worth worth thirty two million. Correct. Yeah. Number three. Who do you think number three is? Let's see. Is it Steve Aoki? I don't no, know. No, it's David Guetta. Ugh. Sorry. Still one of the most uh, requested DJs in the world. Wow. Swedish House Mafia. Yeah. yeah Are they legit? No. Dead Mouse. He's interesting. He started out legit. He makes some cool music, and then. He's still an interesting guy at the end of the day. And he's producing good stuff. He doesn't, eh. He did. He did. I'll say that. And then he became this monster, basically. And I don't blame him, you know. He drives Lamborghinis now and dates supermodels, so it happens. Skrillex is coming in at number nine for 16 mil. Right. Skrillex. He's, you know, I don't hate that guy, but I don't, it's not my kind of music. But he's good at what he does. What's the difference? What's his kind of music? Uh... It's kind of pop, has this poppy yeah, hook. Yeah, it's got a pop hook to it, and there's Justin Bieber singing, and then there's like fart sounds. And rah, pff, pff, that kind where, of where did that, <laughs> where, where did that um, trend come in with uh, EDM music where they, they, they'll they find like this hook that's mm. with like a phrase being like, you never live so good. Never live so, it's like you're walking into some like fashion. God, it's so terrible. I don't know. What is that? I don't know. I think it's you know they a, find these like little snippets, these phrases, and they repeat it. You never look so good. I know. And then the song builds and builds. And everybody loses their shit. I don't know. I think it's for simple-minded people, honestly. I don't think the people that those EDM guys that are the richest people in the world, DJ-wise. It's just more again. It's a show. It's not more. It's not about the music. There's no soul. There's no heart to that music. They know they. They can, wouldn't argue that though. I don't think they would. I think they cater to a crowd that eats it up. It's a younger crowd. And for whatever reason, I'm sure my parents hated, you know, Public Enemy when I was a kid. It didn't make sense to them. And I'm sure, like, I think their music's terrible, but they think it's great. And that Steve Aoki documentary was, like, interesting, but the music is terrible. Like, it was hard to watch. Like, the music, I almost stopped it. But <laughs> but at the same time, you see this crowd, and every one of those people are losing. Losing their, their mind. So what are you going to say? Like... How many of those people are rolling or on, on some sort of substance, do you think? I'd probably more than half for sure. Yeah, that probably helps. Because it's, you know, that that's that was another point that, you mm-hmm. know, but I was saying, you know, I'm watching this. I'm like, God, you know, the, 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 the 
the chemicals that are, are that go along with the house and dance music mm-hmm. is you know you got Molly you got ecstasy all mm-hmm. these things is that the same thing I think it's the same uh, either way but it is a part of the culture but then I was like you know what? I'm being a hypocrite because you could say booze and weed is the same thing for rock and roll well I, I that's what I've always said we always get my music or whatever gets a bad rap because I think that's what's happening or um, but I'm like what do you think it happens to at a bar with a band you don't think people are having sex in the bathroom and drinking beer and smoking weed <laughs> and doing drugs thi- yeah, the yeah, same yeah. thing it's the same thing I know it's the same shit so why are, I get it though because it's that kind of drugs is goes with that kind of music I understand that but doesn't every music have some sort of booze or some drugs? sort of uh, fuel yeah, we're all releasing ourselves and enjoying ourselves yeah and I don't think it, one genre of music should be like the bad guy of all the genres. Everyone's doing something. I, yeah, totally. I, I agree with you 100% on that. I don't. You can't point a finger, I don't think. Cause. I don't think so. And I, get, I think, yeah, it's definitely more out in the open, maybe at those festivals and stuff. And they, they even, sorry, I was to interrupt, but real quick, they even have like test centers when you walk in, they'll test your drugs to make sure it's clean and stuff like really? that. Really? They're like, they know it's going to happen, but they want you to be safe. Smart about yeah. it. And they're not going to, like, what are we going to do? Stop 30,000 people? We can't. But don't you think, okay, so the, the drop. The yeah. drop is is so it's gotten abused. <laughs> it's terrible. And but that's part of that. That's a the, that's a drug induced. A drug. You, that when that and I've experienced it. I've been in a mm-hmm. club in New York. Mm-hmm. The limited time I did go mm-hmm. to clubs. I think it was the tunnel. Yeah, I've been I there. I did have a substance and I got it. Yeah. I get it completely. I get it too. But I it mean, fuels that, right? For sure, they go hand in hand. You know, like and you the, feel like you're gonna explode, and then and then boom, and you do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun, and you get that through rock and roll too, I guess, with I like think a so. Jimmy Page solo. But it's it's a different form. Correct. So you can't you know? be like, oh, that music shit. Well, it's kind of the same thing you are searching for too, in a different way. See, I used to think. And this is why I wanted to have you on because I, I thought I mean I don't connect to it right because I'm like a beer rock guy. Yeah, you're awesome. I should be interviewing you. I'm by a the beer way. rock guy, <laughs> but I want to. I know that there's. I know it's an amazing art form, and I know that there's talent, and I know that it takes time and and just tons of energy to create these tracks. Because mm-hmm. you guys are basically DJs are making now at the point, and if I'm wrong, correct me. They're mm-hmm. you're creating these like audio movies. Now mm-hmm. and you bring these audio movies. You sat in your room. You you worked on it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and now you go out to play it, and then you just it's like screening your movie. Yeah, right. You get an instant reaction to what you're playing. There's no other job that where that happens. Like, so tell me how you build your tracks. How does it? How, what's your process like? Um, as for when I'm DJing. Yeah, like do we, yeah. we 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 do you get it like an idea in the head, or you hear a beat that land a song? You're like, ooh, that's kind of cool, and I'll see if I can do that on my computer. Oh yeah, I mean, I do make tracks as well at this point, as well, because if you're gonna be a main like one of these DJs that's on that list, you have to make music as well. But as far as like DJing goes, it the biggest thing is you have to read the crowd. You can't just be like, I'm gonna play Megadeth for three hours straight. Right. You have to be like, you know what? These people are not into this like Latin house I'm playing. Maybe I'll try. I'll go, I'll go this way. And once you find what they're into, you kind of go with that. That's interesting. You're just trying to rock the party. You're throwing a party. That's the point. <laughs> That's the point. Same with the band, though, it's right? It's the same yeah, with yeah. the band. You kind of have to feel the crowd. Like, they're not into this, like... I always say, give them a show, you know? Give them a show. That's how my... When I DJ, I throw a party. That's my point. We're here to have a party. So if I play... I kind of go through it all to find what they're into. But at the same time, I kind of know what works, too. What the, so what works? 
Well, it depends on where you are. In Nantucket, I know it works. People want to hear... They just want to hear fun music. Obviously, they want to hear music with words, which I well, play music with words. Like, but I'm like every song I just played had words in it. It's just words you didn't know. <laughs> oh, because you're doing like uh, Spanish just, just or French. Well, or... just like people make original tracks with somebody singing on it, but you never heard the song. So they want to hear stuff that's like uh, familiar. So you play remixes or edits or whatever. So is is like let me. Uh... Just teasing, uh, don't stop till you get enough. That's Is that so cliche? And it, that would be cliche. Oh, no, I play that. That song kills. It does. Yeah. Quincy I, Jones made that record, right? I think so. Off I, the Wall? Yeah, I think you're right. And then and there's these edits, they call it, which they basically take the track and they make it a little bit longer, a little bit more DJ friendly, where in that the beginning is a little longer, the intro, and the end is a little bit longer, so you can mix in and out of the record. And they might add a couple little hi-hats and bass, whatever. But it's the same song. I play those versions, and people lose their effing minds. Like, really? Because they know the song, and it's like, I know the song, but it's like something I would like to play. But even those original, the Michael Jacksons and um, what's his name, Stevie Wonder stuff, there's edits of that that's super fun as a DJ, not corny. I mean, when you hear that riff of Superstition, Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. you know, that clap, oh, oh, yeah. oh, that's as funky as it gets. Pretty much. So I'm not. So you ag- still go back to the classics. I'm not against doing that. I mean, if it's a dirty, dark nightclub at like one in the morning, I'm probably playing techno, like hardcore, not hardcore, like scary shit, but like underground stuff that people really are into. And there's a crowd for that on this island, believe it or not. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been doing it for ten plus years. No, right. So it's here. There, it's not a thousand, two thousand people, but there's a core that are here, and the music I'm playing gets played around the world every night. 24-7 year-round around the world if you think about it so what I'm doing is really not special or weird well no you well you've tapped into something because there's clear I remember going I went to uh, Pazzo when Pazzo was going off mm-hmm. it was fun and it was fun yeah because at the end of the day you want to dance yeah and that's for any music rock and roll whatever people dancing to folk music reggae whatever people want to dance so that music's whole purpose is to make you dance so. And the Pazzo scene was good, and you built that. Yeah, definitely. Me and my uh, partner, Billy Desmond. The audio architects. Audio I know architects. Billy. Yeah, you know Billy. And then Marco, who owned Pazzo and Lola, da-da-da. And he offered us the space, and that space worked because of the size of it. It wasn't too big. So if we only got 75 people, it felt like 1,000. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. You need that intimacy. Isn't that crazy? Same I think with so. like. When we play a big space and it just feels kind of empty, there's mm-hmm. a when people are packed together. Starlight's a great example. Yeah, you know, twenty people in there, it feels like it's packed. Yeah, you're having a blast. Be, you're having a blast. Yeah, big space, it feels a little like eh. eh it's hard. I, I prefer the smaller space. Obviously, if I played in a five hundred person room and it was packed, that would be awesome. But I'll take fifty people in a nice little space. But like, Pazza was also very nice inside. It wasn't like a dump. Or like some dive bar, no offense, but I'm just saying it was, you felt, oh, this is going to be nice. Nice drinks, beautiful girls, and the music was bumping. Totally, there's a reason why you worked and Coco Vin worked there. Yeah, exactly. Those guys killed in there. Those guys were murdering that room. Um, but it, that room fit them perfectly, too. So, I don't know. that. So, the room is important for DJs. I you would can, think, yeah. You got to have the right room. I think so. I think it's important to come into some environment that you feel comfortable in and the surroundings look nice and then oh yeah the people are friendly and cool there's net we never had any fights we never had any bros in there like being meatheads right and everyone felt safe um it wasn't about doing drugs or anything like that trust me 
because I was the guy doing that stuff in the 90s and, and I know what's going on in that place and it was not about that it was just people wanted to dance and have a good time and have a good time and, this little, and it was three hours a week that's all it is it's like once a week for three hours it's all we wanted and we got it and we did really well and then but when you do well people like get jealous or come after you or something it's well, like, that's interesting because it's a small island yeah and they would see that like why is Pazzo doing so well on that Saturday night and Nothing like malicious or anything, but you could hear chirping and stuff like that. Like Jesus, it's. I'm figuring that out. It is a small island, so it's like there's some very small, and we were only doing three hours a week. That's it. But you were, you know, this is back to the reason that you're here is because you were building something. I was, you know, and and you still are. You know, audio architects have been, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing EDM music to Nantucket in a way and curating it and bringing awesome people. Mm-hmm. There's but, definitely a plan. I mean, I don't know much about Thievery Corporation, but I know they're pretty big. They're pretty big, and I that was it was always been a plan. How did that come about? Like, how do you get these big DJs to come to Nantucket? It's, um, it's not hard. In some, in not hard in some respects. It's literally just emailing. You email the management and kind of tell them who you are and what you're doing, and we would like to have them out. So he does he have to check out some of the tracks that you've made? Is it like that? Like, oh, let me see what this time is this one. It would be. Or is it just a number? It's the at the end of the day, it's money. You, know, you, <laughs> you got the money, they'll come. Right. But at the same time, not necessarily. Like, at first, say like Rob Garza came um, from Theory Corporation, just pretty massive band, but he'd never been here before. He didn't know us, so they're always apprehensive about coming to someone they don't know, and they didn't even know what. No one's ever heard of Pazzo other than people in Nantucket. So they're definitely like, who the hell are you guys and why? <laughs> you know, even though I'm going to pay you a pretty solid amount of money because they don't, there's no trust there yet. They don't know. And they've never heard of Nantucket. Even though Nantucket has now become what it is, Nantucket's like most elite resort in the world at this point. I think everyone's heard of it. <laughs> so Rob, like he asks when he can come back at this point. But once they come, they get to meet everybody and we show them we're really good at concierge. I'll just tell you that right now. Like, Picking them up, hotels are super dope, super nice dinners, everything's taken care of. We should give them a ride on the beach and the jeeps, and like they get pampered. Really, the shit out of make them. sure that these guys want to come back. And then the party was small. I mean, this guy plays to a hundred thousand people every year. I didn't know that. Really, like he's that big. Massive festival. It's a it's a band. DV Corporation's a whole band, like ten, eight, ten piece band with multiple singers and girls, guys. It's but this guy, the head guy, he's the he, head guy. He's the orchestra leader. He's like the main producer. Him and his partner Eric will kind of create the tracks, and then they will source out the band to come in and play the parts. They'll make their the music like on their computers and laptops and keyboards, like to make the core of it. And then they'll call their singers, and they come in the studios. They just finished their record in Jamaica, I guess, like in June or something. They're releasing a new album, by the way, everyone. I think <laughs> it's very soon, but. I think that's what he said. They kind of like make it, they make the stuff and then they get the band and they, and then and where is he based out of? Those guys are originally from DC and now he's San Francisco and Playa del Carmen. They own hotels. And they've made, a, they've done well with their money. So how does it work for a DJ? Like at this point in the game, if you're an upcoming DJ like yourself, like mm-hmm. is your idea, what's the trajectory? Do you want to like start playing festivals? Mm. Is that the idea? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I think the idea with Audio Architects and the parties was to have a party, but then bring in these acts to Nantucket that we loved and we wanted Nantucket to see. And then kind of get a name for ourselves as being 
we were like part of the scene more or less. I yeah. wanted, I wanted Nantucket to be a stop off. Like they go to Chicago, New York, Miami, Boston, Nantucket, Europe. I wanted to be part of the if they're doing Miami and they're doing all these like luxury areas. It why would not make, here? Why not Nantucket? Yeah. We're just as big as anywhere of those places I just said. So, and I wanted to be the one facilitating that, but I wanted to be the guy. I wasn't thinking more. I want to be DJ so-and-so. I was more inclined to being like behind a promoter. the promoter behind the scenes, making that stuff happen. <sighs> Promoter's a tough business, man. It's brutal. Promoter is Stressful. a tough fucking business. I, I said the other day, like, wow. It'd be nice to just go to a party that's not mine. Totally. <laughs> and, I, and I don't relax. think people understand that. The, the promoter, you have so much on the line. Talk about putting yourself on the line. Big time. Financially. It's the stress of it and promoting like, hey, on Facebook, hey, go to my party every day. You know how hard that is for me to do? But I do it because I have to. But it's not easy to put yourself out there for criticism and ridicule and people mocking you or like, or just, what a loser. Or, or, or just like bringing these guys out here. What if the party sucked? Big time. And they're like, dude, I just brought this guy out here. And he's I like, know. Dude, this guy, Pete, what a chump. What a loser. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. I think you're doing a really cool it's, thing for Nantucket. I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, there's... Every year has gotten better. I was just telling my girlfriend, Jesse, that as I left, like, you know, we're sort of talking about what's, what's going to happen next year. But I was like, I'm not really sure, but it's going to be better. Every year has gotten bigger and better. Big, every year has gotten bigger and better. So wherever that takes us, I don't know. I got one word for you. Tell me. Venue. Yes. Got to find the venue. I know. Venue's everything. Um, right? Yeah. It's huge. And I've bounced around. Billy and I have bounced around. We've played... Just about every venue out here. The Box, The Crown, Muse, Pazzo, Station 21. What do you like? Corazon Del Mar. What, what's working? Atlas. Wait, Grey Lady. I mean, everywhere. Um, well, everybody loved Pazzo, but that was the time and a place. We've tried to re recreate that ever since. And um, that was, it's never going to happen. It, it, that was, that happened and it was over, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but you could reinvent yourself. We you have know? to reinvent ourselves. The well, music's still. The music still works. I'm not worried about that. Because, again, you see every day there's a festival, there's a party, everywhere, and there's thousands of people. There's Nothing's wrong with the music. It's just finding the right space. So I kind of did reinvent in that this summer I was doing something at Atlas every week, and I got burnt out and felt like I'm just beating my head against the wall. So I decided to do less is more. So maybe do less events but bigger, cooler events. And that's what we – I essentially did the summer and it was the, probably the best summer I've had that I can remember. I mean, the ones at Pazzo were some of the most amazing DJ experiences I've ever seen. The people we brought there, this guy, Nicodemus from New York city. So but, give me, what's an amazing DJ experience um, for you? Well, I guess for example, that Nicodemus guy I just mentioned, he is from New York city. He has a massive party called turntables on the Hudson. That was Pretty major in New York City for a long time. Anyway, he came for his third time here. What he was cool about him that night, he played every genre of like electronic music there is, from dancehall, hip hop, house, dubstep, everything seamlessly. And he used these CDJs that we provided, and he used every option that was on those things that I didn't even know that they could do on the fly. He was scratching, he was cutting, he was using the delay, the echo, the reverb. He was going off. There was like 10 DJs in the room. We all had our hands on our head. Like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> it was like, it was a mind-blowing experience. And it was a, and it's free. All our parties are free. Like, you should be paying like 50 bucks to go see that. That's, that was a 
fucking show. And it was just a guy DJing, but it was not just a guy DJing. The guy was, it was a performance. It was a, like watching Beethoven or whatever you can say. You know what I mean? It was like one of those experiences. Like this guy is fucking going nuts with the stuff and having a blast. He's jumping around, laughing. We're all like hugging each other. Oh my God. That's what's up. That's that. <laughs> the guys that do the EDM stuff and pop champagne, stand on the turntables and like, let's do it. And then the drop. It's garbage, man. That shit's garbage. Those guys didn't put in the time, like, say, this guy from New York City didn't. Or, like, for me, in 2000, buying turntables and learning how to actually mix on vinyl and sucking at it and then actually become you got to put your time in. I think that's the lack of respect between underground people like myself and the EDM people that just press play right, and uh, stand on the stage and throw cake at people. And they would argue, Steve Aoki would argue that, you know, he's... I, I was surprised well, that he, he was a hard in hardcore band, so he yeah. had this like musical past, and he kind of fell into, yeah. you know, it seemed like the scene pushed his career. I would say so. I, I, I mean, I said that with a broad stroke, what I just said. I'm, there are, I'm sure, EDM guys that do know how to DJ. It's just their taste, and they're, they're more about, like, how much more money can I get? How many more followers can I get on Instagram? They're more worried about that, the popularity of it, rather than, like, you know, creating really cool music and stuff like that. There are just as big festivals as these corny guys are doing in other parts of the world where the music is the focus. It's not about just to be there and be seen and stuff like that. So you you were talking about that guy that came and was just working the knobs mm-hmm. like you've never seen him work. So the technology's advanced so much now. Yeah. It, the basic core idea of DJing, which we talked about, the two vinyls, Mm-hmm. Now we have, and uh, I want you to explain this because mm-hmm. I want to actually understand how it works. So now you'll have all these crazy sound effects and these loop pads and beat pads, right? So now the DJ, right? What is he, what's his setup like now? Right. Well, essentially, it's still, in theory, two turntables and a mixer. That's what's there. Like When you look at my stuff, it, there's a lot of lights and shit going on. So it's basically just the two, the three things. But now you have like an echo, a reverb, dig, dig, Dude, you should see all the... It's basically effects. But it's basically going to add to your set. Instead of just playing one record after another, and that's it, you can add to it. You can loop stuff for three days straight if you wanted to. Just have a continuous loop going. Uh, 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 and then uh, add uh, stuff uh, to uh, it. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, 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 you can do that all night. <laughs> Where if you couldn't really do that with vinyl, because it's like, you're going to have to keep rewinding it. Yeah, so the technology sort of pushed it into this... Yeah. You know, it, this new frontier of just guys being able to just I build on something. So you build the beat maybe at home? Maybe. Or, or, you, or is it you just you start going Yeah, I mean the the loops you buy, you know, you go online, you buy stuff. That's where I buy all my music online. And you can buy tracks that are just like beats or loops or whatever and you could But they make the way the DJ setups are made now, they're made off of DJ's input. They're like this is what we need. I want this, and then they add it to the mixer or to the CDJ, because that's what all the DJs are asking for. So where do you go to buy it? On iTunes or what is it? Is it an app or where do you uh, go? Is it Beatstore.com? Yeah, something like that. There's a place called Hot Beats. Beatport is where I buy a lot of my electronic music, and then yeah, iTunes, just like anywhere. And then you got dudes that'll make beats. Yeah. You know, like out some drummer would be like, I want you to lay me down, Dude, some, right? Everyone's making beats. Basically, you have to make beats to be relevant these days, for the most part, if you, in the DJ world, um, and that's basically a, a laptop and a 
controller. See, I think this is where I get, this is where my beef comes in because it's like, all right, so some guy's sitting there and like, I think of a drummer who's drumming it out, working mm-hmm. on his beats. And I think of a guy sitting at his computer with his keyboard going, do, kick, snare, kick, snare going, oh, that's hot, bro. That's hot. And he's moving his two fingers. Yes. So I think for me, the physicality of like an instrument and then watching someone, but I get it. I know it's an art form. I know that I, it, that I, I agree with what you're saying. I think if you watch someone that was skilled at what they were doing, you'd be like, okay, I get it. Because some of these guys, you know, they do have their little computer, but then they have a keyboard next to it and they're actually playing chords and piano and bass lines on the keyboard. I mean, I make my own beats and that's what I'm doing. I'm writing the bass line. I'll play piano. I have no idea how to play piano. But I just do it. Do you play I, any instrument? Nothing. But I know how to like what sounds right, and I teach myself. And we well, you know what it is. It's your baseball. Because you're. Baseball, you know why? Right. Because you need to be coordinated. <laughs> if you're really uncoordinated, it wouldn't work. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But there's a coordination involved. For sure. For sure. And I, I just right now it's just by ear. You know, I I wish I knew how to play something, because it would definitely make my music probably a little bit more advanced. But at any rate. Um. Yeah, you just buy music online, you download it, and you play it. That's how it works now. Hmm. And it's cheap, and it's fast, and it's easy. But the people that are making the music that I buy, extremely talented people, I think. Okay. Not just some dork in his room going Give me a name, because I will go down a rabbit hole. Who should I check out? Oh, man. Great question. Uh, well, some of the guys I brought, Nightmares on Wax, for example. That's another DJ that from, uh, he lives in Ibiza now. Nightmares on Wax. I mean, does he play that Ibiza? That's that's one of the big festivals. Well, that's an island in Spain, and it's there's parties there twenty four seven seven days a week during the summer. He lives there. Is that like the mecca for house music, other than Burning Man, which is going on right now? Right now, yeah. That's like the American. That's the other reason I forgot to even mention that this is so apropos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that's happening right now. And then, but Ibiza is like, yeah, for the music that I like, that's where it's at. And. Nightmares on Wax is a guy. His name is George. Lives in Ibiza. He's from England originally. Um, you can look him up. Music's beautiful. All I'm looking kinds. at him right now. George Evelyn. George Evelyn. One of the nicest, most positive people I've ever met in my he's life. He's on Warp Records, George. He is. Way to go, George. Yeah. He's the man. It, it, I'm, I'm such a rookie to this music. It's all but right. I'm, 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 I'm in the rabbit hole, man. I'm giving you good stuff here. <laughs> this is something you would actually, I think you would enjoy. I'm, ch- I'm in. I'm it's in. really cool. And um, he was here for a couple of days. He did our Halloween party at the Grey Lady last year, which was probably one of the best parties I've ever been involved in or been to. Um, what a guy. Really cool guy. Most, Like I said, the most positive person I've ever met. He was never, nothing got him down and, um, I don't know. He's n- another like role model, like that someone I'd listen to and was like. Are you guys like friends? You talk to him. You're like, I do. Hey, now. check out this track, dude. I did. I sent him one of my tracks, and he shared it on SoundCloud, and has. It's funny. He shared. I remember. I remember you posted that on yeah, Facebook. It has over thirteen thousand plays and three. You know, and my other songs have like a hundred plays. He shared that one song. Welcome to the podcast world. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm top. I'm, I'm peaking at two hundred feet. Right. All right. Hey. Dude, I'm starting small. Well, that's where I'm at. I get like 200 plays, 500, whatever. Just 13,000. That's awesome. Because he said he liked it. It's great. Crazy. Isn't it crazy? Crazy. I'm like, well, share the other ones, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Totally right. But anyway, uh, yeah, all the people we've brought out here, we're probably going off in different directions here, by the way. That's okay. We're talking. This is the way it's supposed to go. It's a conversation. Sure. Uh, 
everyone we've brought out here from so it's Nicodemus, it's Rob Garza, it's Ali Shahid Muhammad from a tribe called Quest, which was a big one for you, right? Massive. George Evelyn, Nightmares on Wax. All these guys, they're all the same. They're all humble, they're respectful, they're they know where they're at and they appreciate it, but they all work their ass off to get there. And they're positive. So working people. your ass off to get there is that playing like small tiny clubs, doing bar gigs, doing yeah. cocktail gigs, like doing a brunch yeah, gig. Totally. Playing in a shitty dive bar for no one. People throwing beers at you or making beats on your computer that no one likes, but you keep at it and you keep at it. And then maybe one catches and then you go from there. And then the DJing you're doing sucks, but you think it's good. It is good, but no one's really hearing it. And just putting your time in. It's like someone said it's like 10,000 hours of time to get good. Malcolm, to, Malcolm Gladwell. Thank you. <laughs> so, and they're, they're right. You know, I, I don't know if I've put my time in yet, but I must be getting close. But so what, so what would you want to be doing? I mean, you're bringing a lot of electronic yeah. dance music. Is the idea to get yourself to start doing festivals? Sure. To get on there, the audio architects? I think. Would you and Billy get the nod from someone? I think if it happened, we wouldn't say no. But I think we're not focused on like that we want to be the most popular biggest people in the world i think we just want to be a part of it um and if so be it if that happens we, i mean honestly i think at times we we're as good as some of the people we bring out here honestly their their music they make is what separates them from us because we don't really actually produce music i do a little bit but these guys are like creating tracks selling it on itunes and selling millions of copies and they're good DJs. So that's the difference between them and us. So you're but more of a promoter? Promoter, audio architect, DJ, and slash mini producer. But so you would have to go probably add it pretty hardcore as a DJ if you were going to get, right? Yeah. As a, well, right now, I feel like DJing-wise, you know, I, I can play anywhere, anytime. I'd be, I'd do well. That's how I feel. You put me up in any festival in Burning Man, Ibiza, I would kill it. Pretty positive. Not worried about that. It's just getting the opportunity to do it. And maybe some of the things I'm doing will give me that opportunity to do it. But if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to like think, oh, I blew it or my life sucks. I right. think what I'm doing and each year getting better and meeting my idols like a Tribe Call Quest, you know, I text with that guy now. That was a big deal. Bananas. We're talking about Q-Tip and we should get him next, you know, stuff like that. And he's like, well, you heard it, it here first, folks. I know. I just shouldn't <laughs> have said that. But no, I don't know. We'll see Who what happens. If it happens, it happens. Yeah, whatever. You know? If it happens, it happens. If it happens, you better get a ticket. <laughs> but those things, those are dreams come true for me. So like all those things are happening. The things I was building for, they've happened or are happening. So for me, it's a success. Anything more is just, it's great. Where I want to go next, I don't know. I just want to keep kind of doing what we've been doing on a bigger scale. Isn't the idea too, I, I don't know if you agree with me. I'm just, I'm always just trying to like, if I can make a living playing music. Mm -hmm happiest man could you know if you don't yeah. have to bang nails i know i still have to do that yeah but that's you know it's funny because that's i always put a lot of pressure on myself to yeah uh, to to make it happen and i success to me as a musician or as an artist was just being able to support myself for sure you know i've had ink i've had small when i was in new york i definitely had little windows where i was doing well but then there was times when i was you know, servants passing shrimp. <laughs> I always said to my buddy, "Is like he's you know you said you wanted to be one." I'm like, "That's a lot of shrimp to pass." That is a lot. <laughs> yeah, man, I I totally agree. It's just you kind of slug it out. Don't worry, you can you can get her up. <laughs> um, yeah, if I could make a living just doing that, but I'll tell you, in the summers out here, I almost do. I almost just DJ. 
I did still have to work this summer, but you know what I mean? Like there were so many events, private events and the stuff I'm doing where you do make pretty good money. It can happen, but Nantucket's great like that. It, you can take it, you can make it work. You can make it work. There's, there's so much going on out here besides the parties or whatever that I do. There's so many fundraisers and events and I get calls, you know, all the time. So you could say no, but you actually make decent money and it helps your income. Why not? So you're someone I want to, now we're on the Nantucket tip. I want to ask you about, you've seen Nantucket kind of, you know, since you grew up here yep what's your take on it I, like, I always think it's interesting to get someone that's been here mm. uh, for a long time and get their take on Nantucket and where it is and mm. you know where it's going yeah I don't know I think some people complain it's too busy and it's turning into like I don't know too too much it's becoming too popular too fast or I don't know I, I just had a really fun summer and honestly everyone like <laughs> looks everyone looks forward to the you know, September, we're September 2nd and everyone's leaving. And, and I used to be the same way, but the other day I was like, I'm kind of, I might actually miss all the people. I kind of like the activity, the energy. Yeah, I actually do. I know the traffic and the parking and, the, eh. but at the same time, I, for me anyway, I get a little like, Oh, they're gone. Summer's over. Yeah. I, but I, I know like a couple days later, it's still 70 degrees out and the beaches are empty <laughs> and I'll forget it. But I don't know. I'm, I don't think where. See, I think the secret's going to be out, man. I think September, you're going to start seeing people being like, oh, mm-hmm. I should shut up. We'll just change yeah. the subject. Anyway, but. Where, <laughs> Electronic dance music, yes. folks. <laughs> the, uh, where I was here in the 70s, it was a small little sand pit, and it was what it was. No one knew about it. Every, it was just as beautiful. They were the same sunsets and mannequin, but no one knew about it. And then it just slowly got bigger and bigger. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think there's a lot of good things going on out here. I think people are trying to make, other than the housing crisis, which is another topic we can get into, but we don't need to. But I think for the most part, I like, you know, I'm here. I enjoy it. It's not for everyone out here. It's some people can't handle the isolation and the, but you know, it works for some and works for, it doesn't work for others. I enjoy it. I don't, I don't know what I would change. Maybe just. What about LA? What about it? I just think like if for if you're gonna, let's say you want to take audio architects and go yeah. big time and well, can, but I, you don't need to. That's the that's the beauty of it, well, right? That's the thing. I don't need to because I'd rather be big time on Nantucket. Is as weird as that sounds? No, no, no. Because Nantucket has turned into this elite resort, and if I'm the guy on Nantucket, fucking a, <laughs> I'll take it. You know, I could be the man in L.A., but there's a hundred men in L.A. or a thousand or New York City. I know friends in New York City and Boston. I could move there in a heartbeat and get on and do it, but I'd be competing with a lot right now. I know that maybe that seems like, oh, what a pussy you should. But this, again, it's, it, Nantucket. look who you just met. Like, look, look at all the contacts that, that came through Nantucket. Yeah, I know that. That so why would I go anywhere? I, I'm creating it. I've had to put the work in to get these people to come. But again, like Ali from Tribe, he's like, I'm gonna come back even if you don't invite me. So. Rob Garza brought his girlfriend last time. You know, they all want to be here. They all want to come back because they see what it is. And we show them the best time they've ever had. And again, if I'm the guy on Nantucket, that's not a bad gig. No, not at all. I mean, that's, you know, I, there's so many people out here doing cool things. Big time. You know, and you're one of them. You bring in the EDM out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I'm proud of that. Um, you know, creating the creating the parties. Audio Architects is a name. Two thousand it started, right? 
Well, that's when I started DJing. I think Audio Architects started in 2009, 2008, something like that. So we've been doing it eight years or so. Um, and But we were doing it without really anyone knowing at the Muse people. But we'd had really successful parties. I think people really saw us or caught on with the Pazzo and we started bringing bigger acts. And people come to those parties and they were bumping. And this is like really caught on. We started... And plus social media really took off back then not back then I used my quote fingers right there but that's right Amy do you have my phone I want to make sure I get up uh, you mentioned social media I gotta yeah I gotta get better at the social media I stuff. know man it's, I, it's, it's it's such a necessary evil it's terrible but you have to do it right I know I'm learning too I, I, I just it's so uh, hold on just snap one there Peter there you go in the yeah. house. Anyway, yeah, so you have to do it. You have to do it. And, and I hate it. I'm 41, and I'm not old, but I have to keep up. I know. You know, you have to do it. And it's a necessary. It's such a thorn. It's a necessary evil. Like you said, you, if you don't, no one's going to know what you're doing. Even as great as it might be, no one's going to know. Totally. And I have, that's what I mean. Promoting on the social media is, at times for me, it's awkward because it's like, for example, I'm playing tomorrow night. I was just going to mention that. I saw an atlas. <laughs> Through yeah, social media. Correct. And it, to promote yourself is really uncomfortable. But I have to like... Dude, you got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah. Because if it's crickets in there, they're going to be like, what the hell? Because they're trying to... They're running a business. They yeah, need yeah, to come yeah. In, buy some beers. Totally. Blah, blah, blah. The relationship has to work. It has to work. So... You know, and, and in that respect, you know, music's the same way. Sometimes the people... I've always found that some of the clubs don't understand that like they do things that aren't working with the band. No, all the time. Perfect example. I don't know if this is like that for DJs, but you know they'll leave the flat screens on behind you while the band's playing. Right. So you just paid this band five hundred dollars or three three hundred or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I wish it was five. No. We'll just say it's five. <laughs> it was, um, you know, and they'll and they'll leave the flat screens on behind you. So you got these people that like it's conf they don't it's a sub they don't understand that there's a confusing it's confusing Correct. for the people mm -hmm. they got this band who's like playing this music yeah. and then they got a baseball game going on I behind them just turn that subconscious shit off. people just can't you know you hedge your bets with your investment right exactly and that it happens to DJs as well like stuff like that TVs or whatever the venues are they're running a restaurant a lot of the places we play are in restaurants give me the worst gig you've ever DJed. That you remember that you're like, oh, this is tough. That's a that's a really tough one, I guess. Because <laughs> I mean, a lot of them have been really good. I mean, there have been times when I played to like three people. Oh, I played at the Muse once, and it was like five or six people. And it was one guy. I don't know if he's still alive, but he used to walk around with like a goose or a chicken like in his bag. He was like a mailman. What? No, legit, goose. And he had it like on the dance floor. I was like, I'm playing to a fucking chicken. And like... <laughs> This is pretty bad. It was like December. I was like, I probably should just end it. I mean, I guess it's over. That was a bad one. And then another one. No offense to the Muse, but they were both there. A drunk girl wanted to hear whatever. Oh, that's the worst. I mean, come on. We can go into DJ faux pas. Dude, don't do that. Just leave us alone, man. And she, I was on the stage, and she put her hand on the t DJ table to like push herself up. Oh, boy. And the table flipped up in the air with all my turntables in the air, records, needles, like, all crashed on the floor, stopped the music. That was pretty bad. Literally a record skipper. Yeah, and her boyfriend gave me 20 bucks, and I didn't kill them. So. <laughs> that was it. I, the other ones have been – I've had a lot of good ones, man. I've a lot of, a lot of – I played in uh, Tulum, Mexico once. My friend had played there, and he suggested I should play. 
that was like 2005 or something. And I went to Tulum and played for getting flown anywhere to play. It was sick. Is amazing. They flew me to Mexico and stayed in this dope hotel, and I played on the beach for over 500 people, and they ate it up. It's amazing. It was amazing. So definitely some highlights, and um, I don't know. But again, sharing this, like I'd rather bring these amazing artists and be in the background. But B, get the credit to do it. That's all. Of course. Just get the nod, like, you're welcome, or thank you. But to let those guys do their thing, like Tribe or Thievery or whatever. You know, at those parties, they always say, and thanks to Pete and Billy. Totally. That's all, that's all we're looking for. It's, and you're doing it, though. We're doing it, and it's been it's been awesome. But uh, behind the scenes, of course, promoting and the stress, the hotels, the getting the money out in time, the deposits. Is it going to rain? Is the flight going to get canceled? Like, the madness it takes to get these things to come off and people just show up like, Oh, this is great. Meanwhile, I'm actually 20 years old, but the gray hairs are, you know, <laughs> it's freaking stressful stuff. Yeah, of it, course. But it's basically always ended up working out. It, we've been lucky. Nice. I've been very lucky. Well, Pete Ahern, <clears throat> audio of, audio of audio architects. Thank you. Thank you, man. I'm so glad we finally got you in here know, to I talk could, about I could go on for days, but I... Uh, I feel like I have a little bit more of an understanding of the I hope craft so. of DJing. I, I think there's a difference. You know, like, I would like to think I am a uh, old-school, hardcore person that respects the music and really learned it the right way and plays it the right way. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's another side of this newer crowd that plays for the popularity of it. Because, again, I'm saying I don't want to be the star. I'd rather be the guy... That, I think there's a difference. I think people should have... I have respect for people like that. But you rock a good party. I will fucking murder a party. So tomorrow night at Atlas, <laughs> Audio Architects can be on fire. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I will be... The, I'm, I will kill. I got to go to a wedding. And where are we going? Sturbridge? I don't know. <laughs> Sturbridge? Uh, who throws? Who gets married on Labor Day? But, you know, it's family, so you got to go. You got to do it. You, you got to do, do it. it. Otherwise, I know you'd be front row. Floyd's been there. Your man. He's played, I've seen him crush it there. He's with played you. drums with us, like, multiple Which I think times. is really cool that you brought him in. Because that live drum just, just crushes Dude, it. Dude, people let themselves. Excuse me. But they do. They lose they, their shit. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I really appreciate it. I hope I try to explain myself as best I could. I think I think that was it. We got an idea of you know Audio Architects is bringing good electronic music. Yeah, shake your ass to on yeah. Nantucket. It's all about just having a good time, just like any genre, any band, any band at the box or this or that. Everyone's there to have a good time. We're doing the same thing. And I think the so. like the, the hater in me is like, well, if, you know, oh, that's it's easy to slag off. Be like, oh, well, you're just pressing some buttons. But at the end of the day, if you're pressing buttons and people are dancing, you're still they're they're connecting to what you're throwing out well right? that's it and i would say to people that are saying to me press some button I'm like well you get up here and press some buttons fuck face i don't know if you could do it not you personally oh i thought that was a challenge not I, you i was ready to go I'm no like, i'm just saying it. it's like it's harder than you think it's hard yes it's harder than you think people you have to get skilled at that to do actually do that and then play the right music at the right time now you got me thinking like could i if, if you like all right doug let's see you go it's hard if you be sh- you might shit your pants up there so I think I could if I got a couple basic you could do grooves it. down, Dude, I, you could I, do and it. then I got a couple buttons that I go, doo, doo, you know, a couple yeah. of sound effects going. I want to see you and Floyd back to back. That would be good. <laughs> Battle Royale. Yes. No, you guys would be fine. Lance Mountain versus each other. Yes. <laughs> Will pants over and over. <laughs> All right, Pete. All right, We're done. Let's go have another beer. Let's do it. Thanks, buddy. All right.
wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't wouldn't that be another feather in my cap? I could DJ Floyd and I, Lance Mountain DJ battles. Maybe Audio Architects versus Lance Mountain, a DJ battle royale. Oh man, how you doing, guys? Was that a cool conversation? I, I certainly enjoyed it. Audio Architects DJ Pete Ahern bringing the EDM music to Nantucket underground style. I like it how he uh, he's very opinionated about uh, his style, which you should be. You know, Pete's clearly a guy that's passionate about electronic music. And, uh, you know, he's building the scene here on Nantucket. Very cool, very cool. It's still just, it blows my mind watching uh, these DJs, you know, 30,000 people with just one guy on stage with some knobs. It's crazy. But as we talked about, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing something and it's connecting and people are moving, shaking their bodies, I can't say anything negative about it because that's our job as entertainers, as, as musicians. Get people moving, get them shaking, whether it's with uh, a turntable and some knobs or a guitar and an amp. You know, we're all trying to do the same thing. Bring people a good time, right? All right, folks. All right. That was it, folks. Episode 37. Thanks again to Pete from Audio Architects. They'll be bringing you Pumping the Beats. He's got a new venue in mind that I think is going to be hot. If it it goes off, man, the party is going to continue. We'll always continue, right? The road goes on forever and the party never ends. That being said, folks, that's it. Episode 37 is a wrap. I'm glad to be back. And again, as always, thanks for the click. Also, folks, make sure uh, I got to be better at my social media stuff. Make sure you have an Instagram. Follow Inside the Whale ACK on Instagram. We got Twitter. Hit us up. uh, Hit us up like it's a huge crew. (laughs) I like to think there's a team of people. It's just me. That's the joke. Anyway, hit me up on Facebook. Follow Inside the Whale ACK. Questions, comments, or concerns? Shoot me an email, insidethewhaleack at gmail.com. Either way, spread the podcast, spread the love. Thanks for the click. DJ Pete Ahern is going to take us out with one of his hot tracks right now. Pump up the volume. See, that's how much of a loser I am. I say pump up the volume. That was like some 1992 CC Music Factory. Oh, my God. Anyway, Pete, you know what you're doing. I'm going to let you take over now. All right? Drop it.
Gets what you want. 